Let us pray. Lord God, through your word, you have sanctified us as a people belonging to you, as your saints. We give you thanks for the great blessings that you provide us now and will provide us also in eternity in the heavenly mansions. But we in this life now, as we fight with our faith, often fall into doubt and into pride, thinking that we are in ourselves are worthy of your blessings or thinking that we are far too unworthy to receive them. Give us the blessings that you provide on account of your son's perfect life, innocent death, and glorious resurrection. In his name we pray. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this day is the gospel appointed for the Feast of All Saints according to St. Matthew, the fifth chapter, beginning with the first verse. Please rise in Jesus' name. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up onto a mountain. When he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them. He said these things, Blessed are the poor in spirit, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, because they will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, because they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, because they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, because they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, because they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. In fact, that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In these Beatitudes, the introduction to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the Savior addresses his disciples, first according to their own innate emptiness, their poverty in spirit, mourning, meekness, and hunger and thirst for the righteousness that they lack. And then he describes the transformation he makes in those whom he calls his saints, his own, merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, persecuted because of righteousness. And he promises you in this, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. In fact, that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so Jesus realizes and confronts your twin reality. First, that you are sinners in desperate need of a Savior. And second, that you are saints transformed by the life of Christ. Jesus told the people who were offended at him, the people who made sure to loudly and visibly prove how rich their spirituality was, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so he was right to sit and eat with sinners. He did not thereby imply that sinners were better than the quote-unquote righteous. 
but rather that they could be helped by what he had to offer. St. Augustine was a theologian, bishop, and pastor of the 4th century, and despite his powerful intellect, he was lost. He lived a morally dissolute life, as he freely admits in his confessions, taking a concubine and fathering a son out of wedlock. This man, also so poor in spirit, was called by God to serve the church. He was baptized so that he received the kingdom of heaven in this life. He was ordained by God and directed in his abilities to work toward the defense of the faith. God used this spiritually poor man to turn away heresy and error. And when he died on August 28th, A.D. 430, he attained the kingdom of heaven in glory. What God did through one so poor in spirit. Hannah was one of two wives of a man named Elkanah. His other wife, Peninnah, taunted Hannah whenever they went up to the yearly sacrifice at Shiloh. She mocked her barrenness, perhaps intimating that while Hannah might be more beloved of Elkanah than she was, God obviously didn't love or care for her since he had withheld the fruit of her womb. So Hannah's grief was inconsolable. Her husband noticed and asked her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why is your heart so sad? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Well, his heart was in the right place. In her mourning, Hannah prayed desperately and with bitter weeping in the temple. Eli, the priest, thought she was drunk. She was so filled with anxiety. But when he spoke with her and recognized her grief, he said to her, go in peace and may the God of Israel give you what you have asked for. And although she went away still carrying her mourning, she was comforted until God did grant her wish for a son. Samuel was born and she was filled with joy. Another childless woman was likewise miraculously given a son, but not because she had tried and failed. She was meek and troubled by the glorious message of the angel when he told her greetings you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Mary did not seize the spoils like a warrior or exhibit any pride or powerful spiritual gift. Instead, God bestowed upon her the gracious gift out of his own love. When she died, she might have prayed, My son, now as I die, I am not afraid. I go to you, to you who has conquered death, to you who is the forgiveness of of all sins. Receive me, child, receive me. It was the gift of her son, her Lord, that meek Virgin Mary could inherit the earth. Saint Nathaniel, also called Bartholomew, was one of the first of Jesus' disciples, and when he was introduced to Jesus, he was at first skeptical. This wasn't because he lacked awareness of sin, but because he wanted true righteousness. He said, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? But his Lord told him, before Philip called you, while you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And this was a man whom Jesus described as an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. He was aware of his need. He was honest about his hunger and thirst for righteousness. And in Jesus, he was filled. When we examine the lives of any of our Lord's saints, we find that each one of them has this identity not because of anything 
in themselves, but because they were, as St. Paul says, called to be saints. Their lives are beautiful gems that reflect in sparkling light the glorious rays of the bright burning sun, God himself. Their value, their righteousness, their glory all come from the God who has called you also to be his saints. And we look back at their lives and see how they needed the Savior who came to them and sanctified them. And they are saints because of his holiness. They are and you are saints transformed by the life of Christ. King David is perhaps most known for his victory as a child over the giant Goliath, or perhaps for his heinous sin with Uriah's wife Bathsheba. But he was also a man after the Lord's heart, who showed mercy to numerous of his own personal enemies, his son Absalom, who sought his throne, King Saul's son Mephibosheth, and others. He was shown mercy by his Lord as well, and made into a man who would deal as a merciful king over the Lord's people, even while his vocation called on him to war against God's enemies. He was shown forgiveness and mercy so that he could show forgiveness and mercy. Emperor of Rome at the end of the third century, Diocletian sponsored a widespread and terrible persecution of Christians. Having the faith was punishable by death. Nevertheless, a young woman named Lucia was a faithful Christian with her parents, although her father died when she was a child. Perhaps to secure their financial position, her mother betrothed her to a pagan man. But Lucia had vowed in the Lord not to marry anyone, let alone a non-believer. She did eventually convince her mother to give away her dowry as a gift to the poor instead of to her betrothed. And as a result, the man to whom she was betrothed in a rage denounced her to the governor as a Christian. And she was tortured, her eyes gouged out, and she was killed with a sword in A.D. 304. St. Lucia's name means light. And with new eyes, without tears, she who was made by Jesus to be pure in heart now sees the unfiltered light of God in heaven, as her death also serves as a light of the gospel's enduring promise, even in the darkest times. During the earlier part of his life, he was not a peacemaker, but when the Lord's light struck him blind, St. Paul became an apostle of the gospel of peace, often addressing his hearers in his letters with peace from God. The theme of much of his ministry was the peace that believers ought to have with one another, not from some human let's all get along mentality, but because of the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Through his ministry, God gave this peace in the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ and St. Paul, the peacemaker, while he called himself the servant of Jesus Christ, was counted among those who eagerly await our adoption as sons, the redemption of the body. And since his death, his body has lain in the ground while his spirit rejoices in heaven in the knowledge that he is one of the sons of God who has attained that glory. And this Paul, once known more widely as Saul, was once present at the murder of another of the Lord's saints, St. Stephen, who was the first martyr of Christ, one of the first seven deacons of the church. 
He'd been full of grace and power and was doing great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. And his sharing of the gospel message angered the enemies of Jesus so that they dragged him before the Sanhedrin, interrogated him just as they had done Jesus, and ultimately covered their ears and screamed at him to drown out the truth before finally stoning him to death. Before he fell asleep, he gazed up into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He saw his Lord waiting to receive him in the kingdom of heaven. St. Stephen was not the last persecuted disciple of Jesus. We look back as all those saints, as we feebly struggle, they in glory shine. Jesus transformed their lives on earth so that they could serve him, do the work he had for them to do, always a little different, but always with the same goal of the gospel, which must be shared. It's the good news of your Savior and the Savior of the whole world, who died for the sins of the world and who rose from the dead to promise the glory of the kingdom of heaven to all those called to be saints. With our sainted Lutheran fathers, we teach that the memory of saints may be set before us that we may follow their faith and good works according to our calling. In fact, there are three ways as we honor the Lord's saints, and that is first, thanksgiving. We thank God because he has shown examples of mercy, because he wishes to save people, and because he has given teachers and other gifts to the church. The second is the strengthening of our faith. When we see Peter's denial forgiven, we are also encouraged to believe all the more that grace truly superabounds over even our greatest sins. And the third is imitation, first of their faith and then of their other virtues. Everyone should imitate the saints according to his own calling. That God has given his grace in Jesus to such people and has empowered them to serve us and others through their lives and work, as the writer to the Hebrews says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us get rid of every burden and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with patient endurance the race that is laid out for us. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the author of our faith and the one who brings it to its goal. In view of the joy set before him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of God's throne. Carefully consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinful people so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. And this matches exactly what Jesus himself has promised you. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice. And be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. In fact, that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Look at the difficulty that has gone before you. God maintains the truth, his gospel, the forgiveness of sins, and eternal life for all of them. He maintains it also for you. Jesus has given you a true and lasting promise. Because of his holiness, his endurance of the cross, and his resurrection, great is your reward in heaven. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.